Ronananian. I've decided that to properly diagnose cars, you've got to be out of your mind. The Car Doctor. If I had been more logical about it and less in my mind, you've got to be out of your mind to fix cars. And I say that in more ways than one because it just would have been so much easier. Welcome to the radio home of Ron and Anian, The Car Doctor. Since 1991, this is where car owners the world over turn to for their definitive opinion on automotive repair. If your mechanic's giving you a busy signal, pick up the phone and call in. The garage doors are open. But I am here to take your calls at 855-560-9900. And now, here's Ronnie. Hey, it's time to start your engines. Hello and welcome. Ron and Andy in the car doctor at the helm today as we jack up the wheels and take the bus out on the road. And we're up here at the TST Big Event in the Westchester Marriott in New York. We're uh, watching a great event being attended by 600-plus attendants. And it is the first national event using all tablets. No trees were chopped down in the creating of this event. We're uh, happy to be here as we help celebrate Green on St. Patty's Day. And I have with me, as I did last year, Pierre Respo. He's uh, representing TST in this first Go Green event. We're glad to have you back here with him and uh, talking about it. Pierre, welcome aboard. Well, thank you, Ron, and I'm happy to be here. You guys have one heck of an event. You've got, uh, you've got an... The show got bigger again, if, if we should call this a show. It's actually a training event. Gee, would probably be upset if we called it a show. But um, there's an awful lot more going on this year than there was last year. It continues to grow. That's right. Um, actually, we started a new business model several years ago. And because of our very generous sponsors, um, we were able to grow this rapidly. We are now 600 people, as Ron said. And uh, we have 32 vendors and uh, pretty much all different levels of skill from our technicians. And what you have to realize is it's not just 600 people. You've got 600 working technicians, shop owners, and so forth to come in on a Saturday on their day off, what might be their day off, but hopefully their day off, to attend a training event all day in the chair. And it's St. Patrick's Day. Right, and it's St. Patrick's Day. Yes, and, and uh, we have some tremendous uh, material. We had... Uh, uh, Bob Moritz from Snap-on, who's, uh, you know, one of their uh, national trainers. Uh, we've had, we have Ed Hazard, who's one of our board members, is doing a short segment. We have Chris Chesney, who's doing a, uh, a keynote speech. And we have Bernie Thompson of ATS uh, this afternoon uh, talking about uh, use of scopes and scope diagnostics. But what makes this event very different is the tablet. That's right. correct. Talk about that. Explain so, that to the listeners. So in previous, most training in the country and all of our previous training, we had printed paper handouts. All of the information was on paper, and uh, this time we loaded all the information in uh, Kindle Fire tablets, and uh, they also have some videos in there, which, of course, you would never have on paper. So, and they so, get to keep that. So, well, and they get to keep that. And I guess at the point that, you know, if the instructor presenting the information says, oh, and let's look at this picture, now it becomes, instead of a flat page, flat piece of paper picture, it, it's, it's a, you can animate it, you can twirl it around, you can... That's right, and you could actually put your own notations right in the, in the application. Um, and also, you can blow it up. So if, you know, you have trouble seeing something, which a lot of people have complained about in other types of training venues. You mean us older types. Yeah, us yeah. older types yeah. who are old and blind, like me. Um, you can expand it by simply spreading your fingers apart on the screen and making any part of that picture uh, more visible to you. So do you think because of the tablet you were able to deliver more content 
We think so. You know, accuracy, last-minute changes, uh, there were one or two of those, but uh, more, it's more accuracy and it's more readability, it's usability. Um, there's a learning curve for some technicians that aren't used to tablets, but most of us nowadays are used to scan tools or tablets that can that operate in the same fashion. What was it like setting up 600-plus tablets? That, it know. was tedious. However, it's always been tedious to make the paper handouts as well. Um, I would say it's roughly a draw, just a different job. Right, and it's it, from, a, from a cost perspective, though, the tablet has to cost more, no? Actually, almost the same money. Really? Uh, when printing costs are very high, uh, when, part of what drove us into tablets was the cost. Now, what's, have you gotten feedback from the techs in attendance? Because I, I was watching before in the, in, the, in the big room. It's very quiet in there this year. I noticed that. Everybody's kind of got their head down, and they're, they're either yes. out surfing YouTube and, and watching Beverly Hillbilly reruns, or they're actually learning something because they're all looking at their tablets going, mm -hmm. We're actually hoping that they're not surfing the web. Um, for two reasons. Number one, obviously, this is wonderful training that you should pay attention to. And actually, the other thing is the battery life is not infinite. And with 600 people, we can't allow them to charge their units during the day. So if they surf the web or use other power-hungry applications, uh, they may not make it to the end of the day. You know, I remember when Jerry, when G first talked about tablets, a lot of people scoffed at him. And in typical G style, he said, damn, the torpedo's full speed ahead. That's correct. We're going, and, brother, and off and, he went. Um, there's, a, there's a person here who's kind of an unsung hero, Don Schnell. He was the one who first suggested it to Jerry, and we ran with it. We've asked for a lot of advice from experts in the field on how to set up those tablets so they would work properly for everybody. But Don has been one of these people who's helped us in the background. Now, what's next? What do you do next year? You know, how do you, how do you get better? Because um, automotive, we try to get better every year. That's, that's right. That's part of what this um, is about. I think we're going to keep this type of idea. We'll probably end up with bigger or more capable tablets. We'll probably end up with more or better uh, videos or other promotional materials. Right. And I think that we'll probably be able to illustrate our um, presentation PDFs better. Do you think the, you know, who's reacting to this better? Where you think the younger techs are more in tune, the older techs are struggling? Or is it just, it's just a mix, I, it's just a blend of wherever I you are? I think it is a blend, but it's not just older and younger. Obviously, the younger techs have a higher likelihood of having uh, experience with uh, modern devices like tablets, um, and some older techs may not, but an awful lot of us old guys um, have been keeping up with the technology all along anyway. So... We adapt. The, the good thing is in a crowd like this, somebody who may not be doing well can ask the person next to him for help. The thing I like about the Android tablet, right, that's what this is? This it's is a, a Kindle Fire, it's, yeah, it's, it's an Android operating it's system. It's an Android operating system is, if you learn this, you learn your scan tool. Yes. And you learn more about your scan that's tool. That's correct, any Android device. Right, any Android device. It goes across all the platforms, all the devices. Uh, you know, a few years back, my kids were beating me up. They wanted me to go to an Apple phone and an iPhone. No, no, I'm staying with Android because I'm going to learn Android because I could see that's where the scan tools were going, and I'm better with my scan tools. I know and, what the Play Store is and all the other stuff. And, and that's absolutely correct. And uh, Apple has some wonderful products, but the fact is the industry has not embraced that. They've all gone with PC or, or Android-based devices. Right, and it's, um, it's, it's just making a big difference. Well, uh, you know, it's a phenomenal event. I can't say enough about it. TST gets bigger 
This is what, the 14th year, the 15th year? Yeah, and there was actually T uh, STS before TSD. We're over 20 years if, right. we, uh, if you uh, add up those early years. You know, um, and we keep trying to not only expand but give our uh, attendees and our members more quality, more information for the same cost. So next, the, the next big question has to be, when does it become a two-day big event? Well, uh, this is only conjecture now because we've discussed this, but when we reach 1,000 people. Okay. When we get to 1,000 people, it becomes a two-day event. At least that's the plan. Oh, is, that, is, is, is that the story? So we only need 401 more people to show up? And, <laughs> yeah, that's correct. <laughs> I wanna, who's going to program all the extra tablets? Yeah, probably me. Uh, well, you've got nothing to do between midnight and 6 in the yeah, morning. I don't need to sleep. Uh, listen, how many years How many years are you at a, have you retired now? now? Now that you're retired, I, I see you running around. The first retirement? Yeah, the first retirement. I retired the first time in 2008. Okay. Uh, you and unretired two years later. Right. And, you know, because you're not really fixing cars every day, per se, anymore. No, that's correct. I do other things. Do you miss it? Uh, sometimes. Not usually. Yeah. I'm still very busy. Oh. I do diagnostics. I do a little support for ATS. Right. I do go to Mobile, mobile Diag and Mobile Tech for a few shops. And I help uh, some other people I know in the industry uh, with running or diagnosing things in their shops. Yeah. Uh, when does the book come out? You've got to write the book, you know? I'm not much of an author. I'd say somewhere from a long time from now till never. All right. If, if some of the other shops that are out there today um, and they didn't make it to the big event, all right? If you were going to tell them in three sentences, what would you say to them to convince them for next year to be here? Number one, you've missed some really high-quality training. Number two, you've also missed some high-quality training that was of extremely good value, better than any other in the industry because we're a not-for-profit and we have very generous corporate sponsors that um, make this possible at this price. Um, and the third thing is you've also missed a tremendous opportunity to network with other technicians and shop owners. Well, and I think that, and everything you said is important, but, you know, I'm watching what's going on and the rubbing of elbows and, oh, hey, it's you, and I recognize you from this, and I recognize you from IATN, and, you know, names and faces get put together and everybody's kind of, and it creates, you know, it, it creates a cohesion. It creates some unity in the village, and um, it's, it's, it's a good thing to have happen. Absolutely, and it uh, enhances professionalism. Yeah, it really does, and that's, that's what we are. We are the professionals. Yes. Once and always. Pierre, thanks for being here with me. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to grab you towards the end and uh, bring you back. But right now, I just want to say I'm Ron Nadine, the car doctor. We're happy to be here at the TST Big Event. We'll return right after this. Ron Nini, the car doctor. We're live at the Westchester Marriott here in New York at the TST Big Event. Talking to everybody about cars and training and all sorts of things in between. And naturally, the conversation has to come around to scan tools because scan tools are, to mechanics today, what screwdrivers were 40 years ago. Um, and they've been around a very long time. And it's, it's, it's an ever-changing technology. And we've reached out to one of the industry leaders for our next segment, John Amato. He's from Autel and a tech trainer. We're glad to have him here with us. Welcome aboard, John. Thank you for having me, Ron. Um, you know, there's a misconception in scan tools, John. I'm going to put you on the hot seat right away. Let me read this email here. Let me. Uh, I know you weren't prepared for this. Ron, I've been researching scanners for my 98 Avalon. When I look at specs on the Innova 13100 with ABS and live data, I went to their site and saw the list of cars that could, ABS could be scanned with. The Avalons were listed to scan 2000 and newer. My question is... 
is that the car that's an issue or is it the scanner? Why can't I scan ABS on my 98 Avalon? Would a launch or any other scan tool on the market do that? Well, that, that's a good question, Ron. And, and really, a lot of times uh, with our end users, they usually have an expectation of the scan tool and what the scan tool is capable of doing. And, and really, a lot of times, it's really what the vehicle is able to give to the scanner or the communication capability between the vehicle and the tool. Now, in this particular person's uh, circumstance, the issue is that the vehicle is using slightly older technology uh, that does not enable some of the subsystems to feed information to the scan tool. So um, prior to a certain model year, as a general rule, it would be 2004, uh, vehicle engineering adopted a, uh, adopted a, a, a design. A protocol? I would say a protocol, yeah, uh, called control area network. And we refer to it as a CAN bus. And what, what this means is that all of the different computers or the microcontrollers that control different parts of the vehicle are all controlled through a network. So when you plug a scan tool into a later model vehicle, uh, or in this case the 2000, and, uh, the 2000 plus Avalon, the scan tool is actually going to be able to communicate with the whole network of control modules in the car, drawing data from all of them. Uh, in the case of the older vehicles, that communication capability is not there. So it's so it's 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 sort of like a house with seven telephones in it. Every telephone's on the network, and you know that that was that in my mind that was always that was a true CAN network, right? Everybody was on the bus. Right, absolutely. Right. Now in this '98 Avalon, you know, it's this guy's got a phone. This guy may have a phone. This guy's got a digital phone. This guy's analog. Right. Um, this guy's rubbing two sticks together to make conversation. Every module, every system on that vehicle works differently so that pre-2000 vehicle requires a specialty tool for that module or application whatever system they're trying to get into right absolutely so this was before everything was homologated into the CAN bus you had a combination of analog and digital systems uh, so you know older more specialized tools were needed to communicate with the uh, the anti-lock braking and the the SRS systems so you know when you're Autel and you're, you're designing a scan tool to come to market, you don't just get up on Tuesday and say, well, we're going to make it work on red, white, and green cars, but none of the black and brown cars. You've, you, you've got to be following some kind of manufacturer's protocol to, to, to bring a tool to market, right? So and my point becomes, it's not the tool's fault. If the tool doesn't work on that car, you know, the first thing I always say is, if the tool doesn't work on that car, try it on a known good car, because you're trying to fix a broken car. Absolutely. All right. Um, but if you don't have that option and you look it up on the charts, on the website, whatever, uh, wherever Autel's website would be, Autel.com? Autel.com. Autel.com. Um, you know, maybe it's the vehicle. Maybe it's because it doesn't have that capability. Right. That's a really good point. Uh, a, lot of the, uh, a lot of the calls that come into tech support or, or uh, once in a while we'll get a call on a uh, customer plugging a scan tool into a vehicle, the scan tool will not power up if it's a 12-volt powered. And usually they'll say, well, the scan tool doesn't work because it won't power up. And what, what we'll ordinarily do is say, well, go over to another vehicle, and every single time that tool will power up because there was no 12-volt signal present at the, uh, at the connector, at the 16-pin connector. And it's as simple as maybe we've got a blown fuse because – and I always find it to be, well, I was just charging my cell phone two days before, and then this happened, and – 
it's 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 blown fuel. Oh, they, they dropped a coin in yeah, the cigarette they, lighter. Yeah, out, I love that outlet. one. Do you never? I think it, I think it's the penny that fits in there. Perfect. The penny or the dime uh, yeah, somehow manages. Perfect. Is it the dime. The dime. I'm getting help from the audience today. Great. Um, that it just happens to. It's always the dime. You know, it's like uh -huh. the government got together and they said, "Hey, mm -hmm. we're going to make it so this powers mm -hmm. and this is going to power the PCM, which is the most critical thing on the car." And some three-year-old comes along and goes, "Bang! Look, I found yep. Daddy's piggy bank." Um, and bam, here's what happens. Um, and that becomes an issue. So. It, when you design the software, because you do have some latitude. I mean, the manufacturer sits there and says, you've got to make it do this, this, or here's what the car is capable of doing. All right? Um, I want you to be able to do everything on every car. How impossible is that? It, it is. It is close to impossible. Uh, I think every diagnostics company has areas that they specialize in or where those, those engineering dollars go. Uh, for example, one of the higher priorities among our tools at Autel is we'll work with um, European vehicles, BMW, Mercedes. What we try to do is engineer as much capability into the more complex vehicles as we can, just to give the end user an easy, uh, you know, a better or better ease of use right. uh, with the tool. I noticed when I came by the booth before, you were talking to somebody about one of the tools, and you've got a couple of variations of this, um, a reset on a Maserati. That's pretty impressive, brother. I, I don't know too many scan tools that will actually do that. I don't know anybody who's actually working on Maseratis either, but, um, it, you know, it's, it's it, why Maserati? I mean, it's a high-end market tool. Well, really what it is, it, is it's about our relationships with our customers. So what we'll do is we'll, we'll um, record the data we get uh, or the amount of requests that we get from our customers for specific items. Uh, if there's an oil change reset that we repeatedly get requests for, uh, you know, we'll task our engineering team to develop that item. So it's really listening to our customers and responding and making sure we implement the, the, uh, the type of software uh, that they need. In, in our last 30 seconds or so, John, we're talking to John Amato from Autel. What's next? What's, what's, what's next out there for the technicians out there listening? What are they going to see? Well, the biggest thing going on right now, and Autel is, is uh, going to be one of the first to market, it's uh, ADOS calibration. Uh, advanced uh, driver assistance systems, and this is going to be uh, our collision mitigation, like our lane departure warning, um, you know, our forward-facing camera modules, uh, blind spot detection. So we're really excited to get involved in that market. We'll have to talk about that. I'm going to tell you right here and now, we're bringing you back in the future. We're going to talk about that at a future date um, in a couple of three months. Make sure I uh, get your card, see Danny before you leave. Okay. And uh, thanks for being here today, John. Uh, More information at autel.com, right? www.autel.com. Cool beans. I'm Ron and Andy, the car doctor. We are at the TST Big Event, and we're back right after this. Don't go away. Hey, welcome back. We're on the the Car Doctor live at the TST Big Event in Westchester Marriott here in New York. We're um, uh, kind of rolling along, talking about cars and everything in between the fenders and the headlights. Our next guest, well, it's, a, it's, it's actually a first and um, a very big first. He's a, he's a personal friend. I've known this next gentleman for the better part of 25 years, some good years, some tough years, uh, a little bit of tough love between us sometimes, but um, that's what happens, I guess. And um, he's here with us now, Chris Lewis. He is the director of training for ATG, Automotive Training Group. And uh, we're happy to have him here. Chris, I think this is the first time you and I have ever actually talked on air. And we're on air, so keep it clean. Yes, no, it is no, the first time we've ever, I've been on air with you and since 94, I guess you yeah, started, right? 95? Uh, 91. Um, and we've known each other since. Just about then. Just about then. So it's been a long, long time. Um, 
And what are you doing with yourself? Gee, it's been a while. Yeah. <laughs> You're the director of training for Automotive Training Group. Um, talk about that for a minute. What? Well, what? I, I know how you got there, but what exactly is it that you do? Well, Automotive Training Group is going to be based out of San Diego. We got trainers all over the U.S. We train U.S., Canada, Hawaii. We do Alaska. We've done America, Samoa. I've been to Japan. We teach all over. And basically, we hold classes at nights, um, most of our classes at nights, two nights a week, um, on pretty much how to diagnose cars today with the new technology we got. What does it take to develop a class? You know, like if I said to you, I, wanted, I want a class on um, paper ashtrays. How long is it going to take you to write that book? That book I can do quick. Yeah. But most of the books we write takes about four to five months of research for product development, research, verifying, real-world testing, getting case studies together. Um, then it could take the trainer about another two months to read the book, uh, build a PowerPoint, understand it, and then we practice over the phone with each other. Sometimes we get together have meetings. So five to seven months to bring a class to market. It could be that long, yeah. And, and one of the things that ATG always talks about um, I've sat in on the classes, um, as you well know. Uh, High-level indicators. Um, heck of a word, heck of a phrase. Mm -hmm. um, where did that come from, and, and what does that mean? I don't know exactly who started it. It might have been Tim. He uh, does the product development. He's the owner of the company or another one of our trainers. But basically what we've learned is the fastest way to a diagnosis, instead of uh, the way mechanics have always been, try to figure out what's wrong with that car. Why is that car stalling? Why is it hesitating? What's causing that uh, code? is to do simple, easy tests. And we're talking five-minute simple things. Sometimes it's a road test with your scan to look at the perfect things to prove what it's not. Known good. So if I was to go on a road test with a car and I know that this part is good because I just looked at it on the scan data and it's showing that you know my fuel trims, as we call it, are good, whatever problem I've got on that vehicle, it cannot be caused by something in the fuel system because anything in the fuel system, an injector or a pump, would show up in fuel trim. Right. It doesn't it tell me what part to order. It doesn't tell me what, um, what's common to fail, but I'm not going to spend any time checking that fuel system. I'm 99% of the time, I'm not going to go after the fuel system, no matter what the flow chart or the common pattern failure for that vehicle may be. And we've pretty much, whether it be from basic electrical through um, network communication codes, your direct injection, GDI as it's called, variable valve timing, variable valve lift, Simple things, five, ten minute tests, I can knock down and tell you what it's not and only focus on testing what's left. You don't like flow charts. Uh, you said keep it clean? Yeah. yeah. They're time consuming. There's nothing wrong with them. There was a day that we, you and I both used them. Yeah. Uh, we had no other choice. But if you think about the real world, by the time, you know, I used to work for you, so I know by the time we check the car out, we do our safety check, go to road test, get your codes, look at basic data stream, do the TSBs, maybe you look at, you know, some of the common pattern failures of it, look at a wiring diagram to get a layout of the system a little bit. How much time do I have left in the first hour to perform a flow chart? Well, and, and there's that, and then the other side of that becomes how many times you go down the flow chart and it says substitute with known good. Right. And... You know, you're just going to go pull a PCM off the shelf and put it in, and then you find out that's not it. Okay, go to the next step. Correct. Whereas using a high-level indicator kind of lets you jump around that. Correct. We're going to focus exactly on the unknown, but let's prove what's known. And I'm, we're, not, we're not talking about spending 20 minutes. We're talking about a simple road test, um, the one, two things that we normally preach, uh, fuel trim and what's called volumetric efficiency. I can do in the parking lot of this hotel in less than 10 minutes, probably five minutes, start to finish, and it proves that I don't have internal engine problems, proves I don't have a clogged exhaust, uh, or proves that I do have a clogged exhaust or an internal engine problem. And at least and not, give you a place to go look. Not relying upon the code as the only diagnostic approach. 
because we've learned, and a lot of technicians have, that the code says you've got a problem here at point A, and the problem is really in point B. An exact quick example, customers complain intermittent air conditioning problem. Compressor intermittently wouldn't engage. We found a problem in the gas tank. FTP sensor. Correct. Yeah, I remember that. Okay. Yeah. Those little, little things that we get away from the symptom, get away from the code or the customer's complaint, do some basic, simple, easy testing, and that goes guide your diagnostic approach. And it's been working unreal. We're, it amazes me. We're talking with Chris Lewis from Automotive Training Group, ATG, uh, here on The Car Doctor. I'm Ron Ananian. Uh, Chris, the technicians today, if I asked you, what does a tech today need to diagnose today and tomorrow. You've got 600 guys out here um, today, uh, 600 people, and you know they're here for training. They're here because you know they know that this is their livelihood. Um, but they've got to prepare for today. They got to prepare for that car in the bay Monday, and they've got to think about that car five years down the road. What do they need? You use this place, and it's a perfect example. I recently had to do a class, um, about 100 and something guys. The class was called Advanced Drivability. Now, what's advanced? To some tech, that's one thing. To another tech, it's something else. So right. I had to try to find what really is advanced diagnostics that I would be teaching. And I pretty much figured it out. Perfect the basics. I don't say know the basics. Perfect it. I'm talking about basic laws of electricity. Because everything on every car today is electrically controlled. Right? right. Yeah, sure. So if I know how the, the electrons flow, maybe not that deep, but if I had to use my meter, voltage drop testing, current, amperage, whatever it may be, a lab scope, then I can test any electrical component. And from there, baseline and figure out where you got to go. Same with fuel trim. Fuel trim is a way I can pretty much diagnose or get a lead or starting point at any fuel system on any car 96 and up. You mean, so like two weeks ago on, on the Car Doctor Facebook page, somebody had written, they had, had a question for me about a Jeep that didn't run. And when I asked them what was the fuel pressure, she said, well, the guy came out and he tested it, and the fuel shot out of the line 10 feet, and he said, that's good. You mean, that's not an accurate? I swear to God, it's still there. No, I'm the laughing because I've heard it before. You know, guy that's told me, not an accurate measurement? You've got to actually put a gauge on it to test fuel pressure? A guy actually told me once he had uh, fuel pressure was good. I said, well, what was he? He goes, seven. I said, seven? It should be around 50. He goes, no, when I hit the Schrader valve, it shot up seven inches. And and, 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 and that's the basics, right? right? It's Hook up a pressure gauge. Again, that's one of like high-level indicator type right. thing. Hook up a gauge. Well, Chris, it's probably not going to be the fuel causing this no start. If the gauge takes you five minutes or three minutes to hook it up, do it, knock it out, prove that it's not. You got good fuel pressure, good good volume sample. It's a four-minute, five-minute test. Right. I now, whatever's causing a problem, I don't know, but it's not my fuel system. So. But back to the actual question, if we can perfect basic electrical, basic data stream, um, how codes even get set, um, basic fuel trim, as I mentioned, engine breathing, which is volumetric efficiency measurement. It pretty much is the same on every car on a road, and any car that comes down a road, any car that drives into your bay in three years from now, runs off the laws of basic electricity, doesn't it? Yeah, it sure does, and it's, it's going to be the way we're going to fix cars, mm -hmm. because to try and remember each and every system is impossible. No, you can't. Every you can't. car still needs gas in the cylinder in the proper amount. Right. I need to compress it. Currently, we still have to add spark. The future, we won't be right. to get a car to run. So if you understand, you know, basic ignition systems. Yeah, real quick, last minute. Talk about that real fast. The, the sparkless, there's spark plugless engines. I know, I know you've heard you talk about this in class before. That's common, It was actually right? just mentioned uh, in the class inside here that Mazda's planning sometime in the next year or so, an engine that runs on compressed, it's called compressed ignition, or compressed, they're compressing the fuel like a diesel does. Right. And that will ignite it. They'll only use a spark plug for cold start, cold running, 
Um, once it's warmed up, they don't use a spark, and I've also heard that they're going to use spark on D-cell to help kill emissions. Technology's always changing. Where are you going after this, Chris? Where's your next, where's your next stop for APG? Uh, Springfield, Massachusetts area. What are you teaching? Uh, GDI, direct injection. GDI, direct injection. If the listeners want more information, what's the website? ATGtraining.com. All right, cool beans. Maybe you'll be lucky enough to be in class with Chris Lewis, one of the ATG trainers, and uh, we thank him for stopping by today. I'm Ron Anini, the car doctor, live at the TST Big Event. We'll be back right after this. Welcome back. Ron Anini, the car doctor, live at the TST Big Event in Westchester, New York. Here with me now is Harlan Siegel. We've had Harlan on the show so many times. I think we've got a spot for him. We've got a microphone with your name on it, Harlan. <laughs> but um, it's kind of fun to do this live in person. I was walking down the floor, and there's Harlan Siegel from Launch. And um, I said, my gosh, look at that, my old buddy Harlan. Um, how you been? Very good, Ron, and uh, glad to see you, and uh, glad to be here. Uh, scan tools in the cloud, Harlan, and I'll tell you how I kind of got on this subject. I was using the new um, Launch X431 Torque in the shop this week, and the way it interacts with the cloud, and I'm looking at it and the technology, you know, IDs the vehicle and gets information, and I'm saying, Harlan's got to have his hand in this somewhere. You were actually <laughs> on my mind, so seeing you here is very fortuitous. Talk about scan tools in the cloud. Where are we going? Yeah, well, it's, it, it's funny that you uh, had that observation because uh, having information now is, uh, is more and more critical in the automotive phase, uh, service phase. And, uh, and, and, and reasons for that being are that typically on a, on a scan tool today, you get your information, your newer information, every six months or maybe every year. Or in some cases, you get you know, your weekly updates. But you need information at that moment, at that second, on that car, when you're in that shop. So we're able to, in a recent technology, is to put information in the cloud that as long as you have a Wi-Fi connection, you're able to connect to the cloud to get that real-time information. In the case of your experience, what it was actually doing is VIN code detection. And, and, and it was. And it, was it, it went out to the cloud. It, here's what you're working on. It's a 2012 Jeep. Um, you know, uh, a Cherokee or Grand Cherokee, whatever, and, 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 and bam, it was right there. It was amazing. Um, but there's some, I don't want to say problems with the cloud, but there was an issue. I want to talk a little bit about, you had mentioned this in our pre-interview interview. We were talking about Chrysler and some of the issues with Chrysler in the cloud and how everything is going to have to go to the cloud. <laughs> in a yeah. sense, right? Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, that, that's still uh, up for the jury, let's say. Uh, but I, uh, I think the experience... Uh, what you were having, and it is true with FCA, uh, you know, Chrysler, Fiat, uh, you know, uh, some, of their, some of their platforms, and I don't recall exactly, but there's three or four of their plat platforms that actually, uh, right now, your, your actual scan tool is uh, inhibited from able to get an outside OBD2 generic. And, uh, and their OE tool actually uses cloud-based certificates in order to gain access. And, uh, and, and where that's going, we don't really know where it's going totally in the aftermarket, but there could be an opportunity for a scan tool to have to hook up to the cloud someday in order to get that online access whenever needed. And, uh, and, and being tethered or not having that Wi-Fi or freedom to get that, that information could, uh, could be a disadvantage. You, you know, I'm listening to you talk, Harlan. Look at the things you're saying, certificates and the cloud and the Internet and connectivity. And everybody just wants to get their car fixed. <laughs> uh, you know, there's so many pieces and links that could go bad 
to, to disable the ability to repair the carts, it's amazing half the stuff works as good as it does, right? It is. It, it is amazing, you know, and, uh, and unless you know and, and have an understanding or, or even be aware of what happens behind the scenes, you'd never know the complexity of all of these things that go on. And even for a technician that uses a scan tool every day, even for myself, you know, you might take for granted how the scan tool works, but you have no idea on what really goes behind to make it work and have successes of bidirectionals or actu actuations or special functions or just reading PIDs. To, to, to make it happen. Absolutely. Harlan, we're going to have you back in a, in a couple of weeks. Let's talk about the 431 torque in detail. We can talk about that. Um, if the listeners want more information, where are they going to go get it about launch? Uh, www.launchtechusa.com. Good to see you, Harlan. I'm having a ball with you here yeah. today. I'm Ron Anany, The Car Doctor. We're live at the TSD Big Event. We'll be back to wrap this hour up right after this. Don't go away. Well, this car is automatic. It's systematic. It's hydromatic. Why, it's greased lightning. Hey, welcome back. We're on the Car Doctor. We're closing things out this hour. We've got another hour of Car Doctor and to go right after this, though. Uh, once again, joined this hour by Pierre Rispo from TST. Pierre, welcome back. We had to go find you. Thank um, you. Yes, I, I got lost in the crowd. I, I, I needed some help. I've got an email in front of me, and it's, a, it's, it's an email question. Maybe you can help me diagnose this. We'll put our heads together. Hey, Ron, last week's show, you were talking about shutting down vehicles that are on runaways. I've got a question. How do I shut down my push-button start vehicle? If it doesn't want to turn off, how would I go about doing that? That's from Jonathan up in the 207 area code, wherever that is. I think that's New Hampshire. But um, that's an interesting question, right? Is that Maine? Tom's, Tom's telling me Maine. That is an interesting question. So one way would be to, as we were just discussing before you, we came back on air, pull the fuel pump fuse. But another way would be to put a scan tool on it and turn off the fuel pump or uh, find whatever other menu item you could find that would kill that car. Right. Because it's it's... People are so used to, you know, the key's in, turn the key. We don't have that mechanical stuff anymore. It's no, push it's, it's an electronic module, and it's uh, tied in with theft protection, and um, it's got a mind of its own. If it freezes up, it's going to stay engaged. And I guess what's on the back of my mind is the car that actually puts you through that, where you've got to, you know, because who's got a scan tool in their pocket, uh, right? That's um, right. You know. Uh, maybe, you know, the next thing the manufacturer, well, Tom does, but, you know, Tom's got a lot of things in his pocket. Um, you know, he's that kind of guy. He's, he's, he's like the mad scientist back here. Uh, you know, are the manufacturers ever going to give us an override? You wonder if that's going to be the next thing. I highly doubt it. Uh, you know, just to shut the car off. Uh, uh, of course, if you had something like an OnStar vehicle and you had the credentials to call them, you could have them shut the car down. And that would be, or or yeah. other service from other manufacturers. So... Going back to the conversation I just had with Harlan Siegel from Launch, we were talking about the cloud, right, and how the cloud is going to interact with everything. And yes. you know, here we are, we're talking about using the cloud uh, to shut the vehicle down, uh, you know, using OnStar. Well, the thing is, you start ending up with privacy or other security issues. Um, you know, a lot of this is legal stuff, not technical stuff. Um, what if they were to shut the car down for somebody who said that car wouldn't shut down, and it turned out that they were just messing with whoever owned the car. Practical jokes. Yeah, impractical jokes. Impractical jokes. Yeah, um, So there are legal issues that they would have to address before that was really instituted as a, as a policy. Lots, I don't think it'll happen. Lots of legal issues, boy. I tell you what, it's going to be a very interesting future. But thanks to guys like you and G and TST, um, you're going to help lead us through the forest. We try to keep everybody updated. And we thank you for that. And, you know, just as a reminder, I want to let everybody know where we are at the TST Big Event in the Westchester Marriott. And I'm Ron Anini and the Car Doctor reminding you, 
Good mechanics aren't expensive. They're priceless. See ya.